What's going on, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to Mr. Big Head Reads. I am your host, Tate, aka Mr. Big Head, and I am simply just touched and blessed by all of the folks who have reached out to me asking me, when is the next episode? Are you okay? What's going on? Yo, I appreciate it so much. That means that you are listening and that you care. (laughs) So thank you. I am moving to a different model uh, for the month of March and, and beyond, I want to um, upload episodes in a bi-weekly format. Um, I was doing it weekly for the month of February and also because it was, you know, Black History Month and it was my first month of doing um, podcasting, I wanted to create a momentum. And so um, that was really the goal to do it weekly. But y'all, y'all understand that I just moved, I have a new job trying to get acclimated and life is lifing okay so i needed to be a little bit more realistic on what i can accomplish and produce so bi-weekly episodes i promise you all every other wednesday there will be a um, episode so thank you all for chiming in checking in on me um, and listening and subscribing and liking and commenting please do not stop share the episodes with your friends have folks to follow me subscribe subscribe to the youtube page as well because we are going to be doing videos as well with continued interviews with different folks okay so be on the lookout for that as i mentioned before i am now in the dmv area it has been really hard i'm not gonna lie to you um i have been exhausted since i got since i got here so um, some folks has been hitting me up, want to hang out, stuff like that. And I'm not being funny. I promise it's just that I don't have time right now. <laughs> I'm just trying to find my pace, my schedule, and then I will, you know, be outside. Um, so especially in the late, uh, during spring break, because the cherry blossoms are soon to come. And I love, 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 uh, being out there and taking pictures with those beautiful, beautiful blossoms or cherry blossoms. Um, and, and all of the other things that DC has to offer in the springtime. So I'm excited about that. My work, as many of you all know, I work in diversity, equity, inclusion. And while I might be in a state that is supportive of this work, well-funded, you know, folks really, really want to see this work happen here in this state, it is still a lot going on. And, um, some interpersonal issues, just a lot of drama, just a lot of people who think that they know it all and folks think that they should, you know, have their say in how this work should be administered and how it should be uh, done. But um, so I'm just the new kid on the block and just taking it in, understanding the political landscape and the red tape around certain things. Um, You know, so pray for me. Okay, and if you don't pray, meditate. If you don't meditate, write my name on the wall. If you don't write a name on the wall, you know, light up a blunt. I don't know. <laughs> Just keep me in your thoughts, all right? Um, and But I can't complain too much, you know, um, because at least I'm in a state that supports this work. And I just want to quickly use this episode to really highlight how important this work is and how shameful it is to experience and witness what is happening in the states of Florida and Texas. And I am a native of Texas. I'm a Texas boy through and through, but I am ashamed 
about what is happening in the state of Texas. I was working in Florida for about a, a little over a year doing this work and then I left for obvious reasons <laughs> um, and then took a break in Texas. So I was in Texas for about a month. And during that time, I was just, you know, talking to some DEI professionals down there who are concerned about their job security and, and, and is concerned about this work, you know, falling on um, on broken ground or folks who are not really passionate about this work and, and really want to see it happen in their institutions and establishments. And so... I, if you are in DEI, you're in Texas, you're in Florida, hit me up. Follow me on LinkedIn, Tate D. Brooks, T-A-I-T-D-B-R-O-O-K-S. Um, I would love to just, you know, talk to you, encourage you, share support, share resources. Um, I am just got on the phone with a few folks from Florida last week, and we we're trying to develop a support group uh, for those who are concerned about job security, um, who also also concerned on how to combat um, the clear miseducation about DEI, um, and so let's 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 hold each other up and and support and let's rally around each other who are doing this work because it's already not easy. It's already hard work to begin with, and then now to have the governors of these problematic states, you know. And I say that you know with caution because I am a Texan and I love my state, my home state, but. And I realize a lot of people are moving to Texas, they're moving to Florida, you know, for obvious reasons, better, you know, economy and weather. Um, but I'll push back on the weather part, though, because it was snowing really bad in Texas and it was snowed in. It has been cold. And then in places like New York and D.C. and Philly it's like 70 degrees in January. So, listen, this climate change is making us rethink where we want to live anyway. And it's been cold in California. Right. So you can't really judge. Um, a place now based off of weather. <laughs> but I do understand, again, the economy is the cost of living is a little bit better. You can buy a house, you know, you can get land for a lot cheaper in Texas and, you know, maybe not Florida, some parts of Florida, maybe. But I know a lot of people from New York and, you know, Chicago and California moving down to Texas. And hopefully you are bringing your values, you're bringing your political views and things like that to these states. Um, and maybe one day Texas will, you know, swing, you know, more moderate or more um liberal but as of right now when you move to these states keep keep in mind that you are sacrificing your ideals and you are now putting yourself in a place that is not honoring and recognizing who you are as a full person right and you know as much as I love my home state, I could not live there because it is in direct opposition to the values and the the ideals that I have for myself and my future family and me and my political views and safety. Right now, we know this safety is subjective here in tech in, in the state of or in the United States, period, especially for people of color, more specifically for black people. But I will say that in places like D.C., New York, right, um, Chicago to a degree, uh, California, you know, these are places that are much safer for folks of color, for our, um, you know, LGBTQ folks, for 
folks who, you know, support abortion, um, all of these things, right? Like these places relatively are safer. So you, you're going to lose some, you're going to, and you're going to gain some stuff when you move. So just keep that in mind. But, um, I love my home state. I love the people that are there that are my family, community members, all of that great stuff. But I am just disgusted by the politics and by what's happening in the state. Just recently, Austin American Statesman, uh, which is, a, I guess, a journal or a magazine um, in the state of Texas in, in Austin, recently released that um, the letters that were sent to different state agencies, including universities in the state of Texas by Governor Abbott. Um, where Governor Abbott is basically saying that DEI is illegal. (laughs) That when we consider DEI in our hiring practices, it is illegal and it violates state and federal anti-discrimination laws. And I'm going to tell you all right now that that hurts me, that someone who is in power is so ignorant (laughs) and that they are spreading this miseducation to the point now where universities are now withdrawing their DEI initiatives and efforts. You know, there's possibilities that perhaps offices might dissolve and that, um, you know, I just read that Texas State University, I mean, I'm sorry, Texas Tech University in Lubbock just announced that they're no longer allowing faculty members to write diversity statements. It's no longer needed during their hiring practices or, um, You know, and these things are concerning because there is stark differences and gaps in our hiring practices when it comes to faculty of color. And we know that through data. We know that there are institutions that has disproportionately displaced Black folks and Latin folks, uh, Latinx folks when it comes to their hiring practices. Right. You have institutions that have well over 80 percent faculty that identify as white. And DEI exists to bring these truths to the forefront. Right. That is a part of DEI is truth telling. That's what it is. It is not discriminatory. It is not illegal. And I just think for him to say that is absolutely disheartening. We understand, especially those who are true DEI practitioners, we work in tandem with the federal law, right? Because we understand that under the federal law, it is illegal for employees to discriminate people based on age, right? Based on genetic information, your national origin, your citizenship or immigration status, pregnancy, race, color, religion, disability, sex, military status. All of those things are protected classes under the federal law and DEI works in tandem with that it is not in it is not in direct opposition of that we protect we are working together right Um, the Civil Rights Act in 1964 which was created or drafted by the president at that time which was Lyndon B. Johnson who is a native of Texas it's just all the irony for me Right, created the Civil Rights Act to make sure that folks have access, right? That folks can, right? Because at the time we had all of these laws like Plessy versus Ferguson and Brown versus Board of Education, all of these laws that were put into place to keep folks from, black folks, let me put it plainly, right? To have access 
to jobs, education, and all of those things, right? So the Civil Rights Act of 1964, right, is what fuels the DEI efforts when it comes to uh, affirmative action and compliance and making sure that we are meeting goals of our institution or of our employment, right, when it comes to getting more people of color, getting more women, getting more disabled folks into our establishments. Why? Because our establishment, well, our institutions, I speak from my point of view, our institutions should reflect the communities and the world in which we live in, right? So it's just sad to know that the University of Texas system right now, all 13 institutions, I believe there are 13, are now undergoing this, you know, this erasure of DEI. Um, and we're talking about major institutions, okay? Texas A&M University, Texas, uh, University of Texas at Austin, University of Texas at El Paso, all these major, Texas Tech University, these are major universities in Texas that are now saying, we don't have to deal with that anymore because our governor says it's not important. So black students are gonna be left behind again. Black faculty, Latinx black faculty, um, trans faculty, trans students, right? Um, disabled folks, all of these folks, right? Who are on the margins, meaning that they live on the margins because of their identities and the way that they live and show up in the world are gonna be left there. If this continues in the state of Texas and Florida, because clearly in these states, the only people that matter are white folks, white abled folks, white cis gendered folks, six cis het, right? So meaning cis heterosexual folks, those are the only folks that really matter. That's what you're really saying, essentially. And it's sad, it's sad, it's sad, it's sad. Um, we're in 2023 and it feels like we're going backwards. So I just wanted to share that, that's my little spiel. Um, if you wanna know more information about what's happening in these problematic states, please look up, just Google DeSantis DEI or Abbott DEI, who is a follower, he does whatever DeSantis does, or I don't know if he's trying to outdo DeSantis, I don't know, like it's just, it's so weird. They are weird, it's just, it's, they are weird folks. Um, if you want to look up, you know, what DEI is, I would encourage you all to look at um, different practitioners in this work um, who are phenomenal in what they do. Um, I would say, you know, even look up podcasts, you know, um, just to get more information. It may not directly impact you. You might be an accountant or you might work in, um, you know, the medical field or whatever it may have you. But if you have any power as far as being a manager or if you are in HR and you're a hiring manager or whatever may have you, it's important to look up, you know, um, what diversity inclusion is and how it can further your work and figuring out ways to continue that work um, safely because I want you to keep your job, but safely um, amid this um, travesty of the erasure of DEI in Texas and Florida. Um, so, but some of my favorite DEI practitioners, um, you know, are Pat Waters, who works at, I believe she's still at the um, UGK, I think that's what it's called. It's a tech company. Um, I'm sorry, UKG. UGK is our. <laughs> 
I'm weak. Not me over here talking about UGK. Um, <laughs> um, UKG. UKG. Um, Pat Waters is one of my favorite practitioners in this work. She is the chief people officer there. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's a lot of people. Of course, we know Jane Elliott, um, who is, has been doing this work before it was even a thing, right? Um, she's an, uh, an American educator um, who has been doing this work for quite some time. And um, she is a white woman who, you know, who is doing great when it comes to this work. I'm actually thinking about actually highlighting one of the books that I've been reading and I reread a little bit um, on this podcast, but I don't want to bore y'all because I'm like, I also don't want to like, not, not saying the yeah, it's boring, but I don't want to like use my platform to be talking about diversity inclusion, even though, because it is what I do, but I also don't want to like, I want to have a break from work, if that makes any sense. Um, <laughs> but I do want to share with you all a resource. Um, the Waymakers um, is another great book um, or resource for those who might be in DR, or if you just want to read more about someone's lived experience in this work. Um, her name is Tara Jane Frank. Um, she does a really good job in this book called The Waymakers, Clearing the Path to Workplace Equity with Competence and Confidence, um, if you are interested. So, but that's enough about that. And it is Women's History Month. So I just want to take out the time very quickly to just highlight some of my favorite women or women figures who have you know, impacted me, or if I just read them throughout history, or but some of these folks are still alive and they're still doing the work, and I appreciate them and love them. Um, right now, I'm doing this episode. I'm recording this episode on March 4th, so it just sounds, it just seems right to pay um, homage to Reverend Dr. Gina M. Stewart because on March the 4th of 1985, Reverend Dr. Gina M. Stewart was elected by the majority vote to serve as the pastor of CMBC. And this is Christ MBC, which is located um, in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, she is the first African-American female elected to serve as an established African-American Baptist congregation in Memphis and Shelby County. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. She is the first African-American female elected to serve an established African-American Baptist congregation in Memphis and Shelby County, Reverend Dr. Gina M. Stewart. And of course, y'all know I went to seminary school, so I love everything theology. Um, Dr. Vashanti Murphy McKenzie, um, and I hope I said her name correctly, who is from Baltimore, where I am right now, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, she is retired at the moment. She retired as the Bishop of the African Methodist Episcopal Church. She is the first in 2000, in the year 2000, she became the first woman to be elected as Bishop in the denomination's history. My God today, that is, that's, listen, that's black history and women's history. Okay. So AME is like one of the very first black organized church organizations in the country. So for her to be the first in the year 2000 is 
quite remarkable and a shame, but remarkable, <laughs> you know. So um, these are women in ministry who not only are just confined to the pulpit, but they have done remarkable work in the communities, right? And so we want to make sure we pay uh, respect and honor to these women um, as they are still alive, still doing the work. Um, and, you know, and so I just want to highlight some black women, um, Latinx women, queer women um, coming up in these few um, in, in these future episodes. Um, so please be on the lookout for that. I'm coming back. I promise um, we are going to be doing some book reviews. I love that you all have been reading some of the recommendations I've given. So shout out to you all. Thank you for DMing me saying thank you for this recommendation. This was dope. Um, so continue the work. Continue it. Um, I The next episode, we're going to be talking uh, with, well, not with, but I hope maybe, I don't know, I might reach out to her. But we're going to be talking about Red Lift Theology by Candace Bimbo. Um, a few a few of you all who follow me on Instagram know that I've promoted her book on TikTok and Instagram. And some of you have read it. So we should definitely dive into it and we are going to talk about it. So yes, if you haven't already, I got, you got a week. Okay. Read Red Lip Theology by Candice Bimbo. It's a fun read. It's a great read. Um, reframing theology in the way that we see it. And she is the one to do it. Um, a, re a reformer, um, a woman of thought and a woman of courage. And so I'm really excited to uh, talk about her book in the next episode. Red Lip Theology, go grab it. You can grab it on your audiobooks or go into her website, CandiceBimbo.org, and um, purchase the book from her. All right. So let's stay encouraged. Remember to subscribe, like, and comment. I appreciate you all so much. Thank you all for your love. And I appreciate you all sticking in with me, okay? So I hope to see you all, or I guess not see you all, but I hope that you all are listening next week <laughs> um, as we continue these bi-weekly episodes moving forward. And listen, tell some woman that you may see um, at your job or at your church or even in your family that you love them and thank you for the work that you have done, right? They ain't even got to do anything major. They could be a stay-at-home mom, but they cleaning that house, Right. They could be a bus driver. Listen, they they driving them buses, right? <laughs> so whatever they are doing, whatever woman that is in your life, respect, honor, and give them their flowers this month, all right? Do it every day, but this month especially, because this is Women's History Month. We are celebrating women, um, and I want you all to be excited about what's going to happen in the future regarding uh this month and all of all the things that's coming in the in the future i don't even know what i'm talking about at this point um i'm delirious <laughs> like comment share all right love you all and remember to read and be good to somebody all right talk to you soon